Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Up next, Luna talks with Anna Paulina Luna, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Well, we have them. Thousands of private emails from Dr. Anthony Fauci, thanks to the Freedom of Information Act. And guess what? They don't exactly put the media's golden boy in the best of light. This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. Welcome back to this week's episode of Luna Talks with me, your host, Anna Paulina Luna. You know, it's interesting. I was actually going to do one on the Second Amendment, but instead, after this bombshell Freedom of Information Act request from the Washington Post on Dr. Fauci's emails and the thousands of thousands of emails from his correspondence regarding masks and COVID-19 came out, I figured it was going to be absolutely something I needed to share with all of you. So now full disclaimer, initially at the start of COVID-19, I was actually one of the first to be really alarmed with COVID-19, I think in my friend circle and definitely online. I actually started masking up really early on. And I did that because I remember about three months prior to us even seeing it be a start of topic of conversation that there was videos coming out on social media, specifically TikTok. And those videos were showing people literally dropping like flies. And there was all this chatter about there being a virus in China that they were covering up. And this was, mind you, on social media. So I remember going online and actually trying to order some of those surgical masks. And I couldn't, for whatever reason, figure out why it was that you couldn't buy any of this online. And so I went to a local store. I realized that they didn't have it as well. I remember asking someone, they said, yeah, we haven't gotten a shipment for a couple of months now. Actually, there's a shortage. And I thought that that was odd. And we're going to get back to why that happened in a minute. But when I say that I was the first to really err on the side of caution, especially because I have so many family members that do have pre-existing conditions, I definitely did not want to be someone that wanted to expose my family to this, especially because also, mind you, at the time I was campaigning full time. So I was interacting with a ton of people. I didn't even know how to respond or, or deal with this. But the more I started to see what was happening, right, and the more that we eventually as a nation went through this pandemic together the more I started to question some of the legislation that we were seeing these lawmakers put forward, not just at the federal level, but at the local level, especially in the name of, you know, pandemic and the emergency, that I realized that this was not just a one size fits all approach. And I think that that's important to remember that, especially with something like a pandemic, that a remote region of North Dakota, for example, will have a way different response strategy than somewhere, for example, like Los Angeles or New York. And the national discussions that people were putting forward for just this blanket response is not how, one, our government's organized, but also, two, it's not the smartest strategy regarding how different states, different regions of the country should respond because everywhere is so different. But when you had these 
national discussions and starting to talk about these forced mask mandates, COVID curfews, which really kind of surprised me. I'm like, what is COVID-19 only highly transmissible from the hours of, you know, 9 p.m. to 6 a.m.? It's not the COVID boogeyman. I mean, all this stuff was things that we started realizing was happening at our local level as well. And that made a lot of people uncomfortable. And that's something that I still to this day don't think was necessary at all. So when we get back to Fauci, and, and I want you to ask yourself, a serious question. Why would it be alarming that Dr. Fauci in these released emails through the freedom of information requests put out by the Washington Post? Why is it that Fauci is letting China of all people know in this correspondence that we would get through this quote unquote together when clearly China, and we'll get to the evidence here again in a second, did not care if the United States would make it out of this whole thing alive or not. In fact, I really do believe that China was hoping that it would completely shock our economy more than it did. And at the time, we had President Trump trying to keep the economy open and putting measures in place to obviously protect people. But nonetheless, I do believe that if we were under a different administration, that we would have almost probably hit another Great Depression with the legislation that some of these people were putting forward because of Dr. Fauci. So what we know about China, mind you, and these are all facts, is that China told us months prior to us even figuring out what COVID-19 was, that everything was fine. And they actually made the Communist Chinese Party, the CCP, made a video that they put on their Twitter out of their official Twitter account with people in the street. It was like a man and a woman saying, everything's fine. There's no disease. We're okay. We're healthy. There's nothing to worry about. And I remember seeing this and thinking, okay, anytime you have the communist party of anything tell you that it's okay and not to look here, you should probably look there, right? Shine the spotlight. Meanwhile, at the same time, you have this disinformation campaign also coming out of a Chinese-controlled app, aka TikTok, which is, again, a social media app that a lot of younger kids use, but you have these videos and they're horrifying videos, guys, of people dropping like flies, these massive decontamination efforts of entire streets and villages being empty, people being arrested because they had the virus. These were all videos that were coming out on TikTok at the same time. You had China allowing this massive global travel to the rest of the world. And mind you, part of the reason why Europe was so hard hit is because at this point in time and the six months leading up to when we realized there was actually a virus that had come out of China, we were taking in travelers, obviously, from China as well. But Europe, especially in some of those regions, they were absolutely destroyed by it because China was allowing these people to go, acting like there was no problem, spreading it to the rest of the world. Now, my personal favorite is going back to why I wasn't even able to buy a mask in the first place. And this came out later on, but China actually stopped selling the United States, the PPE equipment, which are those masks, the gloves, the surgical and emergency supplies that we would need here in the United States, or at least what we thought we needed in order to combat this pandemic and this virus. China actually stopped selling that to us six months before we even found out. So they knew that this was a problem. They actively engaged in a trade war against us because I'm sure that they knew that if the United States did not have that stuff, that we would be forced to or that we would consider shutting down our economy, therefore relying on China. And honestly, for as much as we now realize that China is not our friend, we were able to realize how much we should have focus here in the United States so that this never happens again, that we should be able to manufacture our own medicines here, that we should be able to manufacture our own supplies, especially for times of emergency like this. And that was something that was really blindsided. I think most Americans, we didn't expect that had this not happened 
we wouldn't have been able to prepare for it in the future, which, you know, moving forward in this podcast episode, you'll see that we might very much so need it. But then you had China trying to actively blame the U.S. and the military for the spread of COVID-19, implying that it was our military that actually had actively leaked it, that we were the ones to blame, right? So why is Dr. Fauci, and and in these emails correspondence that you can find online, why was he ever concerned about China when China was clearly never concerned about us? And in fact, when China was hoping that we would not be able to recover from this. It's also important to note that during this time frame, I remember I was actually up at the White House and I remember being with actually one of Trump's advisors at the time and seeing it on television. And I remember what he said. And it stuck with me to this day because I, I do believe that China was essentially waging a, I don't want to say a biological war, but they were definitely waging an economic war against the United States in the time that we needed it. They knew about this. They said nothing about it. When the United States offered to send out a team of scientists, they denied us entry. They were covering this up. And meanwhile, here we were literally just not expecting any of this. And yet you have Dr. Fauci trying to almost coddle them and definitely the um, investor of the Wuhan lab. He said and actually wrote Dr. Fauci an email thanking him for dismissing the lab leaks, which is extremely alarming and extremely disturbing being that Dr. Fauci really did impact and essentially was responsible for a lot of the chaos that we saw here in the United States in regards to our own responses. So you had while all this is happening, Dr. Rand Paul, who happens to be a sitting U.S. senator and has for the last year been doing everything that he can to call out Dr. Fauci on his back and forth behavior that ultimately ended up being reckless. Now, why was it reckless? And I know some people say, well, maybe Dr. Fauci didn't know everything. Obviously, we didn't know what to expect. China was feeding us disinformation. Well, we're going to get back to all of that right after this short break and get into some of the email correspondence that he received and that he knowingly ignored during this entire pandemic. We know now via Dr. Fauci's emails that much of what he was told or what he told the public was contradictory to his personal beliefs and his communications. And we also know that he was receiving advice and guidance from some of your top scientists in the country, people that specialized in disease, people that specialized in virus and response for all of that, even immunology. You know, his advice, if you even want to call it that, was, and it was unfortunately proceeded to be the end all be all for some of these blue states. And it resulted in thousands of small businesses closing down and shutting down their doors forever. Meanwhile, these massive corporations gobbled up the profit. And I don't think I even have to list the corporations because everyone tuning in for the most part knows. But the ironic part in all of this is that this pandemic did tie into vote by mail at a national level. This pandemic absolutely also, too, had some of these same corporations that benefited massively from the shutdown definitely targeting and getting politically involved, pushing their woke agenda in politics with massive donations from some of their CEOs, specifically in the Georgia races that we recently saw for Senate, specifically in the voter ID debate that we are now seeing. And it's ironic because these same corporations, when it comes to voting and what's happening at the company level, at their board level, all of that, they actually require voter ID. They actually don't even want people to do vote by mail because they say that it's potentially fraudulent. So it's interesting to note that while this is happening at a massive national scale, here Americans, most people are just worried about whether or not their family member is going to stay alive. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what information is correct. You want to obviously avoid mass 
panic. But while all of this is happening, you have these very, very elite people benefiting from this entire lockdown. And then you have Dr. Fauci in his emails receiving information that could have really helped many people not just Democrats, not just Republicans, but Americans as a whole. And he completely recklessly ignored that information. These reckless calls for prolonged shutdowns, which again, ironically happened to lift within days of the November 6th election, had massive long-term implications. I would be interested in seeing the long-term impacts on mental health, but you had people that suffered from depression, obviously increased suicide rates while they were shutting down schools and shutting down churches, they kept the liquor stores open. So people had full access and dispensaries as well. So people had full access to substance. So you had substance abuse cases go up. You had local tanked economies. I remember seeing some of these businesses saying, hey, we we really don't think that we're even going to be able to stay open any much longer, maybe like a month, two months. But, you know, a lot of these businesses starting out got completely destroyed. And what about the moratorium? So those were put in place in order to keep people in housing and the landlords from being able to collect rent or banks from being able to collect mortgage payments based on whether people were impacted due to the pandemic. That's been extended, but I'm telling you right now, a lot of people aren't even talking about that and the implication that it's going to have long-term on our housing market. I mean, once that moratorium's lifted, all of those homes that were put on temporary hold for foreclosure, that's going to absolutely shock the housing market. And I think it's making a lot of investors especially nervous because what's going to happen with their homes, right? So what exactly did the Dr. Fauci email say? Well, upon further investigation into the emails obtained that are now freely available on the internet, and I highly encourage all of you to look at them and read through some of them because it is alarming. Dr. Fauci sent out the following statements and knew the following information. And this is a direct quote from his email. Most transmission occurs from someone who's symptomatic, not asymptomatic. So remember that whole thing about how people were asymptomatic carriers and we needed to vote by mail and people couldn't hang out in parks together and and all of that. Yeah, that was a lie. Another quote, masks are not needed unless you're sick and COVID was so small that it passes easily between mask fibers. So the whole idea of wearing those masks in these emails, Dr. Fauci knowingly admits that they are not effective. And the most alarming, the proof that the Wuhan lab funder had actually emailed Dr. Fauci thanking him for his dismissal of the lab leak. So we know now, and this came out recently, which I was really surprised that it was actually hitting the mainstream press that it was, but that COVID-19, it is very possible that it was engineered and something of which Dr. Fauci was warned about very, very early on in his emails, but also too that the origins of COVID-19 have not completely been written off to have come from China, which we also know was something that many, many conservatives were saying early on, that this was something that we had to keep an eye on and that we should have never trusted China. So why does it seem like Dr. Fauci continued to protect them? We'll get into what China had been doing while we've been occupied after this short break. Communist China is not our friend. They never have been. They never will be. Right after the transition of power, China met with our Secretary of State, and this was a very well-known publicized story because of what it sent in regards to shockwaves, and I would even argue chills, up everyone's spine. But when they were addressing our Secretary of State, they told us that the United States cannot speak from a position of strength. 
Now think about that. Communist China, the same government that's essentially putting Muslims into concentration camps that no one talks about, the same government that is essentially destroying our environment, the same government that has a massive multi, multi-million dollar funded disinformation campaigns to get us to fight here in the United States. Yes, that is a fact. We'll get into that in a second. China told us that <laughs> and on the world stage and they made no apologies for it. They happen to control most of the world's minerals. And while we are fighting wars in the Middle East that seem to have no end in sight, they are going in and putting up factories and harvesting essentially in those environments. They don't care what happens with the local politics. They simply want to be there for natural resources. They build the factories. They hire essentially and bring in the help. And then they bring all of that and make China more of a world superpower. They have also set up shop in South America targeting oil reserves. That's a huge red flag to me because South America is our own backyard. They're actually very involved and working in Venezuela. What's even more alarming with that is that South America is a direct gateway here in the United States. In previous episodes, I've talked to you guys about what's happening with the immigration crisis and how a lot of these people are coming in from South America, but it would not be far-fetched or even completely out of line to say that it's very possible that China is infiltrating the United States via their spies through our weak southern border. They're knowingly working with people that do not align with us in South America. And in my opinion, it would have been a way better investment for the U.S. taxpayer to engage with setting up an infrastructure in South America, because in South America, those resources could have benefited the United States greatly, actually have helped each other's economy, something of which you know has been completely, I think, dismissed and overlooked at for some time now. While our military is weakened, they're actively encouraging their men to be more masculine. I think that that is a huge, huge problem here in the United States. I did an episode on the woke military agenda. China does not have that there. You know why? Because they realize that strong men create a strong nation and China's end objective is to become a world superpower and be the ultimate in charge. And they cannot do that if the United States is in their way. And that is why it is so important, guys, especially right now that we are sticking together. And then also too, with this whole idea of climate change, while the Paris Climate Accord is tying our hands due to quote unquote carbon emissions and saying that here in the United States, we can't have coal and all this other garbage that they like to tell the American people, they are literally giving China a free pass who can, as far as I know, build any factories they want. They have some of the dirtiest air quality in the world and they're obliterating our oceans via their trash. So if anyone ever tells you that the Paris Climate Accord was good for the United States and that it's helping out the world, it's not because they're soft on China. We're picking up the tab. It does nothing for us. And China is, again, just like everything else that we're seeing in regards to our foreign policy currently benefiting. And finally, on Tuesday of this week, actually Newsweek, who I actually didn't expect to see this article there, but there was a story that broke that the China media, okay, the China media is urging China to prepare for a nuclear war with the United States only after Biden asked for a probe into the origins of COVID-19. Does that not freak you out? (laughs) They are talking about a nuclear war because we want to know where COVID came from. It is very likely that China released this. Moral of the story, Dr. Fauci and his emails wrongfully trusted China and he did Americans a great disservice. Reports are currently that because of these emails that have just come to light at the Freedom of Information request from the Washington Post, that the Biden White House is now looking at his dismissal. And so while everyone was blaming Republicans, everyone was blaming Trump, 
what we really should have been doing is looking at what China had a factor in all of this, right? What did the Communist Chinese Party have in regards to how they were influencing and really spreading disinformation campaigns among Americans? And really, Dr. Fauci, someone who was supposed to be, I think, guiding our nation, especially through this time of crisis, he wrote a book. He's promoting, obviously, himself off the back of a national pandemic. And we know the entire time that he's not exactly who we thought he was and that we wrongfully trusted him. And that some of these emails, I mean, it's sad because there's so many people that have suffered because of COVID-19, but that it really doesn't seem like Dr. Fauci seemed to care at all. You know, there's no question in my mind that China, along with Russia, has been contributing to the divide that we're seeing in this country. I have a friend of mine that's in intelligence and without getting too much into what his job is, he told me that reported on average every single day that there are thousands upon thousands of disinformation pieces that flood the internet and our social media platforms via bots, via profiles, whatever it might be, comments to intentionally spread disinformation and contribute to the divide in our country. And what they actually do too, and what he also said happens is you'll see them actually put out memes, which are essentially images that we use for politics, right? But they will put out these memes in order to... I think cause more of a divide. And with what that tells me and with what that, especially on the whole forefront of social media is that the United States, that whole idea and that saying that united we stand, divided we fall, that could not be more true today. That with the threat of communism now and talks of potentially another world war, which is not something the United States, or at least I would want or that most conservatives want, but something that China mentioned in their media sourcing and that we're just now picking up on, we need to stick together more so now than ever, because I do believe that China will eventually try the United States when they think that we are at our weakest, they are going to try. And I think that COVID-19 showed them how economically weak and structurally dependent we were on them. And they saw what they could get away with. And because now we have leadership in office that is not tough on China, we are now only going to continue to be at their beckoning call until we can get leadership back into office that is willing to stand up against them. And I think actually Pompeo said it the best in regards to how he feels about the communist Chinese party. China will never be our friend. Western culture and communism are polar opposites and rightfully so. The Chinese idea, the Chinese culture is that they should continue forward and be the world's next superpower. If you really have someone that you had a falling out with over the past couple of years on politics, especially knowing what we know now, especially after seeing and really exposing what has happened with COVID, with the Fauci emails, with how the mainstream media really divided our country, and then really this massive disinformation campaign from places like China specifically, I'm sure Russia did it too, but definitely China, bombarding us and attempting to stir the pot. I highly encourage you guys to extend the olive branch and maybe call them and talk to them because moving forward on the world stage, we will have to remember that before any party affiliation, we are first and foremost Americans. And that means that you respect people's opinions, even though you might not agree with them, but that you have that discussion and that you open up that discussion for the exchange of ideas. And what we are seeing now is people who might not necessarily be informed who are just trusting the internet, trusting these media sources, trusting these outlets to give them the truth. They're not realizing that they're essentially being lied to and that there are 
bad actors who would attempt to exploit our own party affiliations and exploit our own beliefs against us in order to cause the American way of life to end as we know it. So it's important to stick together, guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you guys tune back in next week and we'll talk soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Parlor, Facebook, and Instagram at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to producer Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kliegman, executive producers Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.